From WGBH in Boston, you're listening to Ground Truth, human stories from the front lines. When you think of mariachi, you might picture a band of men in embroidered suits and sombreros playing guitar, violin, and trumpet for diners in a Mexican restaurant. But what if you're a third-generation Mexican-American and you've lived your whole life in California? Can you break the rules and make mariachi your own? Would it still be mariachi if you didn't wear the outfit? I'm Charles Sennett, founder of The Ground Truth Project. In the final episode of our series, The New American Songbook, Ground Truth's Kainat Khan, takes a trip to her hometown of Fresno, California, to hear how one musician is adapting a Mexican art form. Inside a cavernous building in downtown Fresno, Omar Nare is doing a sound check on his guitar. He's about to play at a gallery opening for one of his artist friends. Omar calls his music Nuevo Mariachi, New Mariachi. We're in a search. That's where really where mariachi is right now. It's searching. It's searching for what's next. It's 120 years old, really. And it's got to be going someplace new. Omar isn't wearing the mariachi suit, which is called a charro. He looks trendy in a button-down shirt and jeans and boots. He has striking green eyes, a wide, easy smile and a perpetual five o'clock shadow. He stands at the mic alone. No backup singers, no trumpets or fanfare. It isn't what I imagine when I imagine mariachi. It's the first Thursday of the month, a day that art galleries in downtown Fresno open their doors for an event called Art Hop. I grew up in Fresno, but this is my first art hop. When I was a kid, downtown felt deserted. I couldn't wait to escape to a big East Coast city, which is what I did. I've been gone for almost a decade, and I live in Boston. But in coming to see Omar's show at Art Hop and his friend's photo series at the gallery, I see that downtown Fresno has changed, and the Mexican-American experience is a central part of that scene. Omar is singing in Spanish to a crowd of mostly Chicanos. And the photo exhibit is inspired by a traditional Mexican card game called Loteria that's played like bingo. My family would grow up playing it usually during the holidays, you know, family get-togethers, you know, whether it was just for fun. Omar's friend, Enrique Meza, is the artist. The traditional one would be like La Campana, which is a bell. A different Alongside some of the traditional images that would appear in a deck, like a flower or a bell, Enrique has added images that are more current like a Harry Potter wand and a pride flag. Make it more modern, I think, in a a way, right? Similarly, Omar is trying to find a modern take on a Mexican tradition, mariachi. But maybe modern isn't the right word. Maybe a better way to say it is that Omar is trying to find a Californian take on mariachi. Because I'm not Mexican. I was not born in Mexico. I was born in Sanger, California. I was born to a Mexican-American mom and an Arabic father. 
So I had to figure out a way to tell my story through mariachi. Omar reveres mariachi, its history and what it represents. But Omar was disillusioned by how mariachi had kind of stalled. I saw many of the same songs get played in the same way by every mariachi band and every Mexican restaurant that has a mariachi. I think that we should be allowed to adapt and change. That's really what it's about for me. <laughs> you can see, I mean, all these fields really is where they worked. Have you ever been up over here? But to talk about Omar's search and where he's going with Nuevo Mariachi, we ought to go back to where he started. Well, right now we're on the 180, which is, uh, got built. Omar drives me to Sanger, California, the small town about 20 minutes outside Fresno, where he grew up. So I love to come and drive through the fields. And we're just coming into the fall season, so the oranges are going to start coming through. This is the heart of California's Central Valley. It's where a quarter of the food Americans eat is grown. Flat stretches of fruit trees framed by mountains in the distance. The valley's existence is inextricably bound up with agriculture and the Mexican farm laborers who came to the valley to work. Omar's grandfather was one of them. So they came in to work the land over here. My grandfather came first. And my grandma was every tree, every plant she knew. Not me. I wish that's a knowledge that I lost, which is a knowledge that I wish that I did. But I know what it's like to work in the fields. I've definitely been in the trees picking fruit, having a branch poke at your back, you know? Omar's biological father is from Kuwait. He fled to Syria when Saddam Hussein invaded and then moved to Fresno when he was about 17. He met Omar's mom at Fresno State, the local public university, and they got married when she found out she was pregnant. It was sort of a shotgun wedding. The marriage didn't last long, and his mom divorced and remarried a Mexican man. Omar calls his stepfather dad. And so that's why I identify more as Latino, and I sing Latino music. But I still, I make killer hummus, let me tell you. <laughs> Omar's chosen last name, Nare, is actually a combination of his father's last name, Natafji, and his stepfather's last name, Rea. Oh, this is my uncle, right? We arrive at Omar's Mexican grandfather's ranch, where we meet Omar's uncle Ruben, who now owns the house. We plant every year still. We, we try to it's keep a two-story white stucco building, and like most houses in the Central Valley, there are fruit trees planted in the yard. And these are all uh, avocado trees. Grapefruit, orange, and avocado out back. I mean, this year didn't have it, but when you have it, you have just hundreds of avocados. Omar's family had big gatherings when his grandparents were alive. The back porch opened onto a large plot of land where the family would plant vegetables for their own use and Omar and his cousins would play. Omar's grandfather would hire mariachis for some of these occasions. He grew up hearing Mexican music and his tío Ruben taught him his first mariachi song. You know, uh, he was very small and then I had the guitar and we're just playing some crazy little simple tunes and he starts to sing like, and I saw that in him immediately. I knew he had the voice to sing. So I was trying to surprise his mom, my sister. And then when we threw a party at the, at the house, he goes ahead, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and sing. And he starts singing it to, to the family. And that's where everything started. Mm -hmm. 
When Omar and his family discovered he had a talent, he went from singing at family gatherings to playing gigs as a child mariachi singer. He started traveling and performing multiple gigs on weekends around the state. His mom, Rebecca, managed his schedule. It's hard on the body when you travel like that, and eating in the car and going and coming and the packing. He loved, loved music, but at the same time, maybe he was just a little too young. This started when he was about 12 years old. There was a point where you would see how tired he was. I do remember one time we had done a show in Parlier, and the sun was hitting the stage. I was roasting, and I was wearing leather pants. <laughs> and uh, I got off the stage, we ran to the car, because we had to go to some other type of gig. And I just remember that I was in the back seat, and my mom was laughing at me cracking up at me because I could not get the pants off to change into my other outfit, you know? That's what it was like though, changing in the car, pull over, there's a road stop, gotta change, put something else on so you look fresh, wipe your face down. Do you have your sound system? Yeah. Do you have the songs that you're gonna sing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next gig. It was a grind. At one of these gigs, when Omar was about 16 or 17, a producer for Sony Music approached him and his family about recording a demo tape and making Omar a Latin pop star. I know that these people were based out in Italy and they wrote songs for big artists. And so working with them and taking him there was really exciting for him and myself. So Omar and his mom flew to Italy to record these new tracks with professional producers and songwriters. But it wasn't what they were expecting. Omar remembers seeing explicit photos on the walls, and his mom recalls being hit on. It wasn't the environment she wanted for him. And so we just wanted him to continue when he felt it was the right time, because I didn't want him to turn around and say, well, you made me go through this, or you put me through this. I wanted the decision to come from him. At the time, Omar was disappointed. I was disappointed. I would have continued forward. I was not ready. I was too young to be able to maintain that kind of schedule, to be living that kind of lifestyle. Omar's mom plays me some of the demo tape from Italy. And the truth is, I'm glad that Omar's potential career as a teenage pop star didn't take off. Omar went to college pretty soon after returning from Italy. After he got his degree from Fresno State, he went back to being a working musician, but not a mariachi. He played in a salsa band, a reggaeton band. At one point, I think I was playing in 12 bands. He didn't come back to mariachi until years later, after a conversation with a friend from Mexico City, who told him, Omar! Para la juventud en México, el mariachi está muerto. For the young people of Mexico City, mariachi is dead. That punched me in my gut. It really hurt me. And I started to remember my youth. And I thought to myself, mariachi is this cultural identity. Yeah, I ran away from it. I get that. But to say that the music sucks, it really punched me in my gut. That was the seed. Around the same time he had that conversation, Omar played a show for Eva Longoria's charity. That's right, the Mexican-American actress. At an after party, the musicians passed around a guitar. 
when they asked Omar to play. Don't ask me why, but I started singing mariachi songs. Querida, la noche está tan fría. Eva Longoria came out of her house and was just like listening, doing gritos, eso, canta, you know, like 4 a.m. party. <laughs> uh, afterwards, she came up to me and she says, that's what makes you special. Keep doing that. Those two interactions inspired Omar to revisit the music of his childhood. Omar started trying to figure out if he could add a new branch to the old tree of mariachi. I'm a lapsed musician myself, and I haven't understood exactly what about Nuevo Mariachi is new. So Omar uses a recent cover he did of a famous mariachi song called Saborami to explain it to me, musician to musician. Saborami was written many years ago, and it has it's a classic bolero. It's been covered by everybody. We've heard it a million times. First thing that I did is I fell back on my training and I looked at the melody notes. And I just started playing with chords because I wanted to take away this jolly feeling that I had, you know? And, and I changed the feeling. Tanto tiempo disfrutamos de este amor Nuestras almas se acercaron Tanto así There you go, like it feels like a different song. Tanto tiempo disfrutamos de este amor Nuestras almas se acercaron tanto así I want Sabor a Mi, this version, to become my symbol of what, what I plan to do with Nuevo Mariachi. We take something that's classic, we reinterpret it through this new lens, and out comes something completely different. I'm curious whether traditional working mariachis who wear matching charros and play in restaurants have any issues with what Omar is doing. So Omar introduces me to a working mariachi he knows named Ismael Ramirez. He's performing at a Mexican restaurant in Fresno. It's decorated with flags for Mexican beer and Mexican music is playing on the radio. You know what, the, the, the al pastor used to be the best here and then, yeah, then, then they changed the recipe. Ismael says that while he mostly does covers of popular mariachi classics, he tries to keep things interesting by writing new arrangements. You know, you want to switch it up, it's just, it's, it's repeated the same way every single time, every single time. And you kind of, you end up getting tired of it, you know, want to, make a twist to it, you know, make, make it your own.
We stop our conversation so Ismael can go play. As I learned, professionalism is important to mariachis, and I've already made him about 30 minutes late for his set. Ismael is playing in a four-piece, meaning four musicians. The instruments are viuela, which is a little guitar, a guitarron, which is the big bass guitar, violin, and trumpet. Omar, on the other hand, does not use trumpet. It turns out early mariachi didn't include it. Omar's Nuevo Mariachi uses only the stringed instruments, the original mariachi instruments. And that's the sound that now, what you're hearing now is what we associate with mariachi. Another thing Omar does that is different from most mariachis is that he writes original music and borrows elements from other genres. But it is clear how well studied Omar is in mariachi and its development and how much he loves and respects its history. The thing that I love about mariachi is that it's always classic. After his performance, Ismael joins us again. I ask Ismael even if he doesn't have a problem with what Omar is doing, whether other mariachis might. I could see maybe somebody saying, oh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a disrespect to the suit. He means the charro the matching embroidered suits that mariachi ensembles wear. If you're not doing it, if it's not, you're not doing it right, you know, then it's not mariachi, or don't call it mariachi, because it's a disrespect to the suit. What, like, significance does the suit carry to people? When you have the suit on, a lot of responsibility comes with it. The discipline, the practice. The suit symbolizes, uh, it, 115 years of culture. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that, that's it right there. Yeah, it represents 150, 120 years of, of culture, of mariachi. I have to say, I was not expecting that answer. I honestly thought the charro was a gimmick. I had no idea it carried such professional and emotional significance. Ismael is wearing a charro a bolero jacket, white shirt, and pants that have botones down the sides. When he dons that suit, he isn't just Ismael Ramirez anymore. When he wears the charro and performs, Ismael is carrying and representing a whole history and culture and tradition. I ask Omar why he doesn't wear the full charro suit. I can't be lying on stage and wearing a charro and saying, here I am, an emblem, a symbol of a Mexican caballero. I'm not that. I never was and I never will be. But I can stand on that stage and say, I know what farm work is. I know how to pick fruit from a tree. I know what it was like to have my family come from migrants. I understand that story. Maybe, he says, his version of the charro would have Arabic designs on it. Maybe he would just wear jeans. Most of the people who come to Omar's shows and Omar's friends and collaborators are people like him. Young, educated Latinos, super hip, urbane, interested in culture and art and expressing themselves. I ask Omar whether his Mexican grandfather would like Nuevo Mariachi. I think that if my grandfather was alive, I think there's still enough mariachi in my mariachi that he would love it. 
Y que si nos prohíben, si viene policía a robar la propiedad. Y que si nos arrestan, porque los jueces dicen que verdad es On our visit to Sanger, Omar shows me the first house his Mexican grandparents lived in before they bought the ranch. It has three bedrooms, and when Omar's grandfather first moved there, about nine people lived in the house. So then that would be Fien, Isa, my mom, Gloria. We met Omar's tío Efren, who lived there with Omar's tía Isabel. Efren tells Omar about his baby granddaughter, who he saw the other day. They played Mexican music for her, and she danced. Yeah, it's in the blood. Yeah, yeah. Big time in the blood. As we say goodbye to Efren, he tells Omar he heard his cover of Sabor Ami. Yeah, I really liked it. In fact, uh, your mom had come by. Your mom had come by. Had Yeah, we went and we were in the back uh, and the girls were swimming or something and we listened to it. It was like, wow. Thanks. Do you, um, you know, like with Omar's project with Nueva Mariachi, do you see like how it's related to... Like the mariachi that came before, or do you think it's like something totally? Well, it's 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 heritage. Oh, of course, it's our heritage. You can't. It's like our, our blood. We can't take it out of us. He's building his own traditions, and that's what that's the thing is. He's almost building his own mariachi tradition, and that's what mariachis do. In the few days I was back home. I realize that the story of the Central Valley is a story about work. It's the story of people who worked in the fields and those who continue to work in the fields, and the stories their children can tell because of their labor. Omar's grandfather picked fruit and bought the land that he passed down to his children. It remains to be told what kind of mark Omar and his circle of young Chicanos make in the valley. It won't be the same as their grandparents and parents but it will be something that is indebted to them. Tanto tiempo disfrutamos de este amor Nuestras almas se acercaron tanto así That was Kainat Khan reporting. This episode of Ground Truth was edited and produced by Rachel Rohr, Heidi Shin, and Ian Koss, with additional help from Marilyn Halter. Special thanks to Jose Torres Ramos, a Ph.D. candidate at the University of North Texas and a working mariachi, and Central Valley artists Carissa Garcia and Caleb Duarte for providing insight and context. Thanks also to Phil Rado, Bob Kempf, and John Ryan at WGBH. Funding for this project comes from Mass Humanities. I'm Charles Sennett, the executive editor. You can find photographs and a list of songs from this episode on our website, thegroundtruthproject.org. This was the final episode of our season, The New American Songbook. If you're looking for something new to listen to until our next season, check out Radio Diaries. It tells the extraordinary stories of ordinary life. Right now, the show is featuring the audio diary of a Saudi Arabian teenager, Majd Abdulghani. She dreams of becoming a scientist while her parents are hoping to arrange her marriage. For two years, Majd used a microphone to chronicle her life, taking listeners inside a society where the voices of women are too rarely heard. Learn more at radiodiaries.org 
and hear Radio Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sabor